appreciate your efforts and service. There's a couple of things that every preacher should really, um, every young preacher should learn. And I'm learning some of those things. One of those things that's very important is that you must know in your wardrobe which are the t-shirts that you shouldn't wear. Which are the sweaty t-shirts that you shouldn't wear. And I wore one, I've, I've, I've got one of them on t- today and I will not preach in it again. So um, we all grow and learn in various ways. The Lord is, f- is faithful to guide us to newer levels of glory. If you're smiling, you can go like that. Thank you so much. All right. Um, I, I believe I'll be sharing a word this morning that's very relevant. It's very relevant to me. In a way, it cuts like a knife. And it's, it's important for the season that we're in. And it's something God has been stirring in me. And I've had many conversations with some of you over the last few months. God has been stirring this. And then the events of this last week just made it as if it was a final confirmation from the Lord that this is something to take heed of and to wrestle with as the church in this age. There are some things that we are dealing with in this age that hasn't been dealt with before. And we need to deal with it well if we're going to remain faithful and beautiful to Jesus. So this morning's message is, in a way, a warning. Um, and it's a, it's a word that, that, that I hope would provide some sort of, 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 of a safety in your hearts. Um, regarding the future and how we deal with things like this. So, technology has been with us for a while. Technology in, in the church has been with us for a while. And since lockdown has happened, the use of it has ramped up dramatically. And from the moment that happened, there was a great move of many churches who said, but let's take the opportunity to move to the new norm and be online and be fully online and be content producers online. Because in essence, that's what you become. You become another YouTube video that someone can watch. And how, how wonderful and how great it might be for your congregation to have resources available online So difficult it is for the rest of us to navigate through that to know what is good and what's not. What do I use? What do I discard? There's a content overload out there. And we need to make sense of that content overload. We need to make sure what we do listen to and what we do do with it because many of us are getting lost in it. And I trust God that we wouldn't be lost because of it. So, um, this, from the beginning, there's been this nagging in my heart to not overspend 
on technology now. Do not overspend on all those things that was advertised to all the churches. It was, it was cameras and switches and stuff, and we would have had to fork out 100K to make it look amazing. And we, I just felt that we can't do that. I mean, A, in the light of the fact that a lot of people are really hungry right now, and, you, and was really hungry, and B, something was just saying we can't go that route. We should be careful of going that route. And many were very encouraged by the high-quality content they could have uploaded and the reach that could, their reach that could have extended into the rest of the world even, where people started to pick up on stuff and listen, and you feel more accomplished as a preacher if you feel that you are being listened to internationally. And then you're tempted to start a ministry like Matthew Murdoch International, um, which would have millions of views, hits, followers, likes, comments, shares. And um, I want to help us to just, to just guide us through that. Now, what has been nagging on my heart is the fact that Scripture says that we must beware of false prophets. We must beware of false prophets in there's throughout the Bible there's this um, this warning in J- Jeremiah 29 with the Israelites in exile. He's saying do not listen to all the prophets that dream the things that you make them dream. You put those dreams in their hearts and then they dream them and then they share them and then you feel wonderful about that. It's, it's always been that that we should really be careful. And Scripture, Jesus Himself helps us in Matthew 7, and He says we must test the fruit. Let's quickly go to that. That's the next slide, and we'll come back to this one. It says we must test their fruit. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will not recognize them by their content. Are you with me? We love to judge the content. The words are great. The message is true, accurate. And because of our very Western mindset, we attach so much value to objective truth and wisdom and intellectualism that when something is objectively true, we believe that we should receive it. And here it's very clear that false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, in other words, sheep's clothing doesn't look bad. It looks great. You will not, you will not pick up on it in the content. If you pick up on the content that it's, that it's way off, then it's way off. I mean, then it's just a joke. But what they're speaking about here is don't do that. Look at their fruits. And what, a, what this message comes down to, in essence, you can remember this, you can forget the rest, but I'm going to say a few more things that I think is helpful. I'm not saying that we should judge. But I'm saying where we cannot taste the fruit, we should rather not eat. 
that would be safe. Are you with me? Now, I want you to think about this because this sermon is going to leave you with more questions than answers, and that's great. Can you test the fruit of the life of, let's say, Bill Johnson? Can you taste the fruit of his life? Now, because of this dilemma, we have sometimes been confused with what is fruit and what isn't fruit. And sometimes fruit and fruitfulness have been confused. So they say, well, the fruit of his ministry is a million followers. That's not fruit, that's fruitfulness. All right? And there are many followers of many people. It doesn't mean they've got good fruit. The fruit is not the content that they produce. The fruit, according to Scripture, is their personal integrity, their lives. There are specific Scriptures that point us to this to understand this a little bit better. Um, One of them, we can maybe look at that, the fruit of the Spirit. So if you would bear the fruit, then I would be able to see love. I would be able to see joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control because against such things there is no law. And then those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How can I test the fruit of someone? I don't know them or if I don't know someone very well that knows them very well we can't and we see the original design of church back in the day where there were no media and phones it was easy because you were in that community and we knew but now we can't know and it makes it so much easier for us to be to be tossed to and fro Another thing that I hear, and we can go back to that first slide, getting lost in the content war. As I said, if you can't, then then don't. Now, there are. I'll give more clarity on this and give more more guidance that makes more sense towards the end. But what's interesting is that I've had this conversation with a few people, and then they would tell me, "But then, who can I go to? Who can I then listen to? Where?" Where are the good teachers who can explain to me the mysteries of God from the scriptures? I knew as I was praying that someone would be very offended and that they would walk out (laughs) from the middle of the church. (laughs) Just a joke, Lowe. And um, there was one day there was a guy that came to me and he said he said pastor I, I want you to I want you to teach me the Bible can you teach me I want to do Bible school I want to get taught in the word can you be my teacher and I mean you you get requests like that that I mean at first you have you want to say you feel like you have to say yes of course and then I but I, I've learned that you can't do that so then I said but 
Okay, so explain to me, how do you currently study the word? And he said, I don't. I said, but what do you mean? He's, because he told me he wants, to be, uh, he wants to become like a preacher and blah, blah, blah. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't touch the word, literally, he has never. And I said, but why, what do you mean? Like, you want to, but you, and he said, no, but I've got no one to teach me. So I don't want to read it if I have no one to teach me. And I know that most of us don't think like that, but yet we long for a teacher. We long for that someone that can just, I mean, if I wonder, I click on that website and read that guy's stuff and I feel better. Because I trust that guy, you know. Never spend a week with him on a mission, but I do trust him. And 1 John 2.27 comes to mind where it's amazing. He says, do you know that you do not, you have, you have the Holy Spirit, you need not that anyone teach you. Because you have the Holy Spirit who can teach you. So I want to tell you also, you want to study the book of Ezekiel? Trust the Holy Spirit to teach you. And we do study, and we'll speak about that later. We do read up on a lot of stuff. But we need to trust the Holy Spirit more. Because many of our amazing teachers and world-renowned teachers, they read the scriptures with the Holy Spirit. And it was revealed to them. And that same Spirit is in you. Are you with me? 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And often we, we read this and we think, yeah, you know, these are people who want to be very rich and then they go listen to preachers who say you can be very rich if you do this and this. You know, it's obvious, obvious stuff. But I've, I've found also that even among us and, and among amazingly faithful saints, we, we love the guys that preachers along the same lines as the things that we like and do. We love the guys. If we are more, you know, um, prophetic and hardcore and a little bit of legalistic sometimes, there are certain preachers who we like because they just say it like it is, you know, and it makes you feel, oh, am I even saved? You know, some of us like that. Others are like, oh, like, you know, well, I want to see the, f- I want to experience freedom in God and identity in God and like liberty and miracles. And then, you're just inclined. Others want to just get to the like, depth of truth. And so we have our guys that we listen to, the things we want to hear, the things we like, we would then listen to. And within a healthy functioning church, the idea is that there would be a balanced diet. But if we do that, then we, we forego ourselves the opportunity of a balanced diet because we do like the things we like and the guys we like and the girls we like. Are you with me? This is a major thing for me because a, little, a lot of guys I like and that I've liked. And I felt God starting to prompt me and said, be careful, be careful, be careful. And I felt he said, warn the church because we must be careful right now. Yeah, it's interesting that we, if we think about a, a, a false teacher or a ravenous wolf, we, we've got this incredibly evil guy. You know, we think when we see him, then he's going to look at us like that. And go, you know, we're going to be like, oh, that guy's evil. I mean, 
always going to, they're going to ask him in an interview, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And he's going to say, well, depends on which way you look at it. And they'll be like, oh, I've got you. You know? <laughs> and we, it's not so, that does not look like sheepskin, or sheep's clothing, really. So, what has rocked me to the point of sharing this message with you is that with this revelation, I started sharing with a couple of people and telling them how concerned I am with how many things we just receive and accept and the fact that we judge on content and style rather than fruit that we cannot assess. And we say, well, a lot of people say, well, I cannot assess the fruit because I'm not near to that guy's life, so I'll just listen to what he says and I will judge on that. But that's not the scriptural way. Even with that, in my mind, I arrogantly, or it was just funny that I actually told someone to, I said, there's a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys I'm convinced. I trust them without, I mean, I can see Jesus in them as as they're teaching. You know, some guys like me, I don't, you know, I don't look like, I I don't necessarily sound like it, look like it. Some guys just ooze Jesus, it seems, eh? In their style. And what they say is just so amazing. And I've had this list. I said, well, you know, like these guys, I think I've judged accurately. And number one on that list was my hero, Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, I mean, I even mentioned his name when I spoke to that guy that day. I said, that man, you know? And what has rocked me, I don't know if, how many of you have read this week, but he's, he's, he passed away last year, and there's been allegations of sexual misconduct against him, but he's very strongly refuted that, and it's caused people to be fired and to be... To, to, yeah, they, they, the organization came against those accusations very strongly, so it was, it was silenced, and there was a lot of stuff happening. But now, new allegations have come, and his organization actually it did an audit, and they released a statement this week. His organization, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. So don't do this if you go Matt Murdoch International Ministries. You won't even call this thing Matt Murdoch International Ministries. You'll just say something like, Jesus is king. I've got this book. The only book in my bookshelf I have. Um, I'm going to... Um, I've got a book about raising kids, amazing book written by some missionary of how to raise your kids to become Jesus freaks. Eh? And you can't find the author of that book anywhere. <laughs> Only book I have without an author. I think Matthew would write books like that one day. Oh, because I've also thought about writing books and you think, oh, am I going to say, am I going to say Daniel B. Hopefish? Or am I going to say D.B.? Hopefully so. Well, I just say Daniel H. You know? What will the world see? And should I use some whitening for a while? So when they take that picture, it looks really great. And I heard there's special shampoo you could use. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine doing that. Like, like, like sitting there and having this, you know, wow. But anyway... That's completely off the um, point. Uh, thanks, Jacques, for laughing in silence. Ravi was my hero, and his organization 
which like they've come out, they released a full report of the investigations and they said, we're ashamed, we're horrified, it's all true. There was sexual abuse for years for many women. <laughs> I was horrified by it. I was like, it's impossible. But then you read the report and you say, well, it's on his phones that he's always hidden away from everyone. It's in everywhere. And all those, all those ladies... <laughs> He told the one, you should be quiet about this because there's millions of souls at stake if if this would get out. My hero. (laughs) Now, some of you will say, well, we all fall because you've maybe had, I mean, you've maybe sinned quite badly and I've sinned quite badly. We've all fallen. I mean, David fell. (laughs) He fell badly. I mean, Ravi didn't murder anyone just to get his wife. He was persistent in it over years. He did not acknowledge it. He continued in it. He lied about it. It wasn't brought into the light. It wasn't repented of. There was no broken man like David. It's not about sinfulness because we will sin. If we repent and we break before God, that's holy and beautiful and He can restore us. But not like this. And so this sermon is not about bashing Ravi, but this is about my hero. The one guy I thought I judged accurately fell in the worst of ways. How can you say he's a ravenous wolf? I mean, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's going, but the ravenous wolves. Listen to Ravi. He's not a ravenous Just listen to his things. Have you ever, many of you guys, you love Ravi. You listen to his stuff, you think this, this man is, I mean, there's no one like him. He's like, they called him the C.S. Lewis of our age. You know, if, you, if you don't know him, you won't understand why I'm, I'm going on like that. But the man is gifted. How can he be a ravenous wolf? But then you read, you know, if, if, if you read the fruit of the Spirit, if you read um, the, the requirements of Christian leader, 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 7, and you just tested against those fruits as elders has to be tested leaders in the church has to be tested he says he has to be above reproach he's not above reproach there's a lot of accusations that are leveled against him that are true faithful to his wife he's unfaithful to his wife for 48 years temperate i don't know self-controlled no way if you read those things respectable no way hospitable maybe too much teacher able to teach he can teach like no one else not given to drunkenness, I don't know. Not violent, but gentle while. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must have a good reputation with outsiders. Now we know that he doesn't fit the box, and many of his employees had raised a lot of concerns, and many of them faced very harsh discipline because they said, we see some things. I thought if I was there, would I have seen the fruit? Because the fruit... And that's what the Bible helps us with. It makes it easier. It says, if you don't see that fruit, then just don't go there. If you can't see the fruit, then leave it. And if you're not able to see the fruit because it's in America, just be careful. Right? How can it be? And <laughs> we sometimes speak about discernment, right? Fluffy discernment that's based on our feeling when we see it and the content analysis that we do on it. So the line with 
scripture, isn't it? Um, and I've, I found with my, my very little experience, but I have got quite a liking for Asia, and I've been there a couple of times, we work in the church, and I've got a great liking for Africa, and we work there, and uh, 11.30 service, and the guys I walk with every day has given me great insight into those um, cultures, and just want to show you something quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. On the very last slide, this is this is something that I've um, I've kind of crafted from my limited experience in these in these cultures. But it might help us to see where we go wrong. In an in an African culture, I've realized that the moment someone shows power, even like if, if they show extreme charisma, then they're accepted as a leader. If they show miracles, you're accepted. Must be God. If you're like powerful and rich and you do that stuff, you're accepted. No questions asked. No, no content analysis, no character analysis. Show me the power you can lead. Western culture, it's overgeneralized. Right, Western culture, where we fit in, most of us says the content comes first. If you can show me that you've got the truth and the wisdom, that you've got all your ducks in a row, you know. If people go to another church and they say, "Well, I I read the statement of faith and I saw the values and I saw what they believe and I think it's all in line and I like the vision, so I'll be there." But you don't know the guys. You don't know the elders. Um, if the content's right, we don't ask more. Questions. I mean, character flaws, sure, everybody's sinful power will maybe grow in it. Um, we've got an overemphasis on, the, on truth and wisdom and accuracy. And then in the Eastern culture, character first. If you want to be a, a guru, you need to live a simple life without wanting riches and money and honor. You, you need to be humble. You need to be a man of integrity and wisdom then we can receive you. And that's why Eastern just, I mean, there's like a million different avenues of truth you could find because every guru could kind of bring his own way. He could serve one of a million gods and empower, obviously. Um, you actually, they would like if you don't have as much power in, in those cultures, rather humble and servant and all that stuff. So with our lens on, we must know where we make the mistake easily. We want to judge what he said. But, but, but some of the things he said was all true. Can't I listen to that? Yes, you can. But in the long run, it's not going to be good for you. Why is this dangerous? Why is that dangerous? Why should we, if we can't taste the fruit, rather refrain? Well, we see in the lives of many that it will use you to make money out of you and for the sake of power and sex, as in this instance. It'll use you. That's why you need to test it. That's a good reason for you to test it. Because if that's your guy for all the years and now all of a sudden it's, you know, $59 a month, all those, all those women that just had to quiet about it because I mean it's this guy I mean who, who, who is this it'll use you that's why it's dangerous 
eventually because it is a ravenous wolf. Importation. I wanted to make this disclaimer at the at up front just bef- before God, and so I, I forgot about that. But I, I, I do the sermon as a lesson for us to learn from, in, and I accept with the sermon that that's a statement from his own board, which is probably going to ruin the organization. Has got no intention of not being true, and the in- investigation that was done separately, I accept that as as true. All right. So, I'm just saying that. Um, I work from the fact that I believe it is it is true. So, um, if it is, then this is what I have to say about that. But there's many examples like that. So, the first one, it can use you. The second reason why it's dangerous is we need to understand the principle of impartation versus knowledge. Your child does not become what you say he must become. He just becomes by, like you just kind of, he, he catches it. Discipleship is caught, it's not taught. A lot of things is caught, it's not taught. You, it's importation. Like Paul said, I, I long to be with you so I can impart to you some spiritual gift. Not knowledge. When Angus Bachan used to say that God told them the people will not become what you say, they'll become who you are. So get your life in order. If you spend a lot of time with someone, you just become who they are. I've, I've listened to, um, way back, I, I wanted to study the Old Testament a bit deeper. So there was this guy, like a Jewish kind of background guy, who just explained the Old Testament in the most glorious and beautiful detail. I loved it. And after a couple of months of working through these things, I found myself to become so rigid with others, so hard, so, unre- so unforgiving, so cold, so... I was like, God, what's going on with me? He said, you're receiving from that man. You're receiving. It's a spiritual dynamic that's at play. So, without over-spiritualizing it, I don't, if I don't know what you have, I, I can't taste your fruits, then I can't listen to what you say because I'm going to catch off some of what you have. That I, I don't know what it is. Are you with me? This is a hard word. It's got a major implication on me and on all of us. But the church needs to get this right. It causes disillusionment. One of the women that came out against them long ago was completely smashed by the, by the organization. Lawsuits was filed against them. They were destroyed. She, she's so disillusioned from the Christian faith. And imagine all those other women. You think they believe in Jesus. It's a joke for all of them. If you would realize after being in this church for a couple of years that, you know, like that's the life I've been living or one of the elders has been living, a lot of young believers would just walk out and say, what is this? And it's in instances like that when the, when the truth is not true, it has the potential to ruin you. The words is not the end of the game. Are you with me? So, and the other one is obviously, I mean, we could eventually become deceived. There can be a slow cook deception as we follow someone, 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 someone. 
into something. And I've had conversations with people that say, oh, you know, we'd say stuff like, this is my guy. Love that guy. Love this. I'm always just like drawn to this stuff. And that can become challenging for you in the future, especially if they go off the rails or if you realize that they have or you'll be very disillusioned. Now, a lot of stuff will happen in local church also. But there's checks, balances and in a healthy functioning local ch- church that minimizes that risk. The, for me to have an international following of millions of people is one of the most dangerous and irresponsible things I could, I, I could think of. All preachers dream about it. Millions of followers. Millions of likes. And then you do that because we're all sinful like that. You know your own heart. You know the thoughts that you've thought throughout your life. We, like Pastor um, Tian's always used to say, every individual, every person is always way worse and way better than what you ever thought. And that's very true. And we need to walk that out in a close-knit community where we could walk within the parameters of Scripture for maximum safety. And you know how hurt one can get in church even. And then the enemy sometimes tricks us to become aloof from church and like plug into all the other systems that's around only to realize after a couple of years that the, end, the effect is worse on us. Um, so... So what can I use and how? So maybe this is the most uh, helpful slide of it all. Um, Because we cannot ignore what's out there and we should be wise and um, make use of it all. I mean, mean, Paul wouldn't only read Christian literature. He read secular literature a lot. Quoted it in his, in he quotes like poets and stuff that he read from the Gentiles in his books. It was first in the literature of the day. That's wonderful. Um, we can be versed in the literature and, and, and in the world of theology that's out there. The whole sc- the whole scope of it as as scholars rather than disciples. Opening your mind and discerning from that level rather than opening your heart and saying, that man, I love that man. I receive from that man. I receive from that woman. So, so, so primarily, I'm diverting. Let me start where I wanted to start. Receive primarily from those whose life you can see and, and can test and those whom they have seen and tasted. That's as safe as we can be. Ask yourself, fruit of the spirit, do you see that? Ask yourself of the leaders of the church, of our elders, read 1 Timothy 3, read Titus, see, is the, are those things true and can I investigate it? Who knows the lives of these people? That's why when someone comes to preach in the church, we would introduce them saying, this is who they are, this is how we know them. Because you're not just going to receive from anyone, right? So, 
cultivate that space. Those whom you know and you can test and those whom they have seen and tested. So, as I said, you can still listen to all these, all these guys if you use it as, as part of your study. So, you know, just a very technical example. If you would have want to study what does that thousand years, what does that thousand year thing mean that they speak about in Revelations? We're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And if you'd only listen to your guy, you know, if your guy is arrogant enough, he would have his own stance that he would advocate for. I am a, they would say, pre-millennialist or an amillennialist or a millennialist or a post-millennialist or a whatever, millennialists, okay? My view on the thousand years. And because we like that guy, we're also amillennialists. Make the most sense to me. <laughs> the best way would rather be like the ESV study Bible does in a wonderful way. It says all these beautifully accredited scholars have these different views on it. And though these are all the different views one can formulate out of Scripture. There is no way to refute any of them. That would be a healthy, a, a healthy way to look at it. Because maybe Jesus designed the word to be in such a way that there would be a couple of interpretations on that. And we don't have to choose one come hello high water. But if we have our guy, we'd also end up in that vein, in that, in that stream. And our hearts become less humble, less open. Because often the things I was so convinced about 10 years ago, I'm so ashamed about that I right now I was so convinced about them back then because I listened to two guys who said that use it but guard your heart there's a place where you can give your mind access but you don't receive you don't open up your heart does that make sense proven old classics I love them I love, I love guys whose lives has been lived. It has been examined from every corner over the last 300 years. And that thing that they've written is still central to what the church and what scholars use for years. And we know which areas of it is a bit murky. And we know which is amazing. Read the old guys. It's been there forever. The books that's been reissued 40 times. And that we have got some sort of a reference to where this comes from and what this is. That's our safest bet. The newest, latest, latest, best sermon book, blah, blah, blah. That's where I believe we should be very, very careful. Um, so, yeah, don't become a follower or a fan. Just keep your heart away from that. Um, I mean, at all. But um, if you cannot taste the fruit all the more, just, I believe some of us actually have to renounce the fact that we've linked ourselves in our hearts to some um, people who said, like, uh, you know, that's my guy. We need, just need to let go of that. And then, um, as I said, eat at home. You know, God's model for local um, and to be in each other's lives. That's the model we need for church, and there's enough, there's enough trouble within that. We don't need to go and find others also. Um, and then also to remember that 
it's that thing that I'm, I need someone. I need it. I need someone for Ezekiel. I can't do Ezekiel alone. You can't do Ezekiel alone. The word of God says you can do Ezekiel. And if you use the scholars, use the whole range and do a well, well-balanced study. How the mighty fall. And remember, this is not against Ravi. This is a lesson for the church in you know, the digital age where media is everywhere. In the older days, the Domini or the pastor, he was a, he was a guy we went to if you wanted to know something about something spiritual. But now you don't. You would rather listen to what I say and then you would go and see what John Piper says about that. So we're not... Like, it doesn't help that we produce content anymore. We should rather foster closer relationship so that from that place we could be the real, true church that's united and that hears from the Lord and that follows Him faithfully. And you should ask questions about your leaders to know what they do. Um, and... Uh, and ask, yeah, you can ask some of those that we that we stay with. I mean, it's it's so wonderful to know that someone's not perfect, that they're actually actually a sinner, but they do repent about it. Hallelujah, and we can move on. Um, so I just wanted to spend some time in worship, um, Matt. If you, you guys can maybe just tuckle a bit. I think some of you just need to process this through. I, I do feel that there's some of you have got questions. Some of you might even be a little bit angry um, at what I've said. Um, and I want you to wrestle this through with the Lord because this is, is, for your, is for your safety. This is, I believe, just, um, yeah, it's of prophetic importance that we get this as we move into this content uh, filled life and this like global church village um, and I'm trusting God that we wouldn't be led astray by the flow and that we would stay faithful to him and his word and his church so let's spend some time I want you to spend time with the Lord alone um, and if you need to just you know, cut some salt ties that you have with some of these guys that you don't know from a bottle. So, let's do that. Ready? Let's meet, pray for us. Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit you would work in us now. And I pray that you will set us up, Father, in a place of safety and that you would continue to faithful to lead us even now in renunciation or repentance or just that um, change of how we how we think about about stuff and about about content I pray for that Holy Spirit that you would minister now let's all let's all stand and just in attitude of worship commune with the Holy with the Holy Spirit